Welcome to Resilience Unraveled. Hi everybody and welcome to Resilience Unraveled, a podcast that examines all aspects of personal and organisational resilience. A huge all-encompassing subject that covers the ability to thrive in life by harnessing your cognitive, emotional, physiological and contextual abilities. I share stories from people who have thrived despite remarkable obstacles, as well as highly successful practitioners and experts across a range of topics. And this podcast introduces their amazing stories and expertise, as well as my own reflections, perspectives, strategies and tips, which come from my own synthesis of themes and trends from wider learning. You can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and ebooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Space Unraveled. So, let's get started. Enjoy the show. And so, hey, welcome back to Resilience Unraveled. Another episode, another fantastic guest, another chance to discuss the whole subject of resilience. And today none other than Kimberly Spencer. Hi, Kimberly. Hello, Russell. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And I'm detect from the accent. You're again across the pond. So tell me where you are in the world. I am actually in the Gold Coast of Australia, but I am from America originally. Are you really? Seriously? Yes. Yeah, seriously. My, my husband was appearing at a convention, ironically, with uh, the cast of The Walking Dead in March. And right, that was right as the pandemic was hitting. And we looked around and we had the beach right a block away from us and everything was sunny and beautiful. And Australians have an interesting definition of panic, which is they take it pretty laid back. Mm-hmm. Um, and America, we saw how America was responding and we said, well, what if we just stayed? And so we grabbed an Airbnb for a fantastic rate because Airbnbs were very happy to have us and that we've just stayed in the Gold Coast ever since. And now my husband is going to fulfill his dream of becoming a chef and going to culinary school. And I get to raise my son traveling the world and learning about different experiences. And that's how we've always wanted to live our life for the past eight years. And COVID kind of allowed that to happen. I'm really, I'm really, that's fantastic because there are so many people who see COVID as a, a limiting factor and, they, mm-hmm. um, and it sounds like you just spotted an opportunity and gone for it really. It's, that's quite amazing. I, I mean, it took a significant you... amount of courage, yeah. <laughs> like I can tell you that, to say, you know, we packed for three weeks and now we're here eight months in. I've heard they've got they shops do. in Australia they do. and everything, yeah. I mean, you know. So we're able to go, we were able to do a bit of shopping, especially since we packed for like a winter weather and now it's turning into a bit more of a hotter summer and what's happening to your place in the states is it just sitting there empty no 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 we actually had a year prior like we couldn't have timed it better we my dad was going through some alcohol and addiction issues and as he had been for my whole life and that was the year that we sent him to rehab and my mom was needing a bit more support at home and we were looking to save up for a place in Los Angeles and places in Los Angeles especially with two entrepreneurs take a significant down payment and so we decided that we'd move in with my parents for a year to save up for that down payment and so it worked out perfectly so all our stuff is back there. (laughs) 
Fantastic. Well, that's that's yeah. an amazing. I really credit to you. I really do think that seizing the opportunities that had this been had this been like part of the plan to settle in us or you just you just saw it, grabbed it, and went for it. We saw it, grabbed it, and went for it for sure. Well, interesting. Well, it's a good example, and I'm I'm hoping and I'm sure, and I think it must be quite difficult for anyone to come and um, see you and work in your professional capacity when they're saying, oh, I can't, I can't. And you can just look at them in the mirror and go, oh, yes, you can. And all that sort of stuff. So I can see the hair I'm shining. Big, as I say, I am a warrior for possibility. So yeah. when, when I see a chance that is there, there's these great children's books that I read to my son. They're called, what do you do with the problem? What do you do with an idea? And what do you do with the chance? And I give them to every new mom out there because they're fantastic for adults. I was just um, up in Brizzy with, with some friends and I was sharing about those books and even they went out and bought them for themselves because they are just the best children's books that I have ever found for breaking down really complex problems like problems and how do you take a chance and how do you, um, how do you put your ideas out into the world uh, and making them really simple and approachable for kids. And then as I'm reading them, I learn them. And then there's, so there's this one, the what do you do with the chance? And it's this little boy and he, he has this desire to take this chance, but then he, he falls the first time he takes it. And then he realizes he really wants to take a chance. And he, he, he sets out to find this chance to like make, to seize this chance. And he sees this chance and it's a really, really big one. And he's not quite sure as to like if he can do it, but then he grabs on and he soars. And the same is true for the problem one. It's about this little boy and he's trying to escape from this problem. He's trying to hide from it. He's trying to pretend like it doesn't exist. And you know, so often, especially this past year with COVID and the pandemic and lockdowns and elections in my country, my goodness. And there was a lot of fear of all these problems and instead really looking at how can this be a, an opportunity for growth and that's what this little boy discovers inside the problem is that every problem hop within every problem there is an opportunity to learn and to grow and to discover and so i mean in my company we don't have customer issues we have customer innovations because every time we see a problem or every time a customer brings a problem to our attention i'm like oh great we get to innovate this we get to make it better we get to make it even more uh powerful for for, for future customers and so that ability to see the the opportunity and and see and operate with that vision and that faith rather than constantly coming from fear and trying to hide from problems and trying to pretend like they don't exist or trying to suppress them or repress them or escape from them in some way um, is, is really the epicness of the human spirit and what resilience is, I believe. Yeah. And I think, and I think that's interesting, isn't it? Because what you're describing there is the narrative we feed ourselves. And it's interesting for children because they don't know anything else other than the narrative their parents have given them. And um, mm -hmm. And I mean, it, yeah, you get the sense when I talk to a lot of people in the US that most of them end up telling me that parenting is not something that's trained well. And it's, you know, you might argue that's the situation across the world, but, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? You know, a thing is a thing. 
how you view it is what makes the difference. So it's, it's that the old question, is the news good or bad this morning? And the answer is the news is the news. You decide which way it is. You know, for some people, Biden is the curse of whatever. And some people, Trump is. It's just, it's just their narrative. It's just their view. And also, mm-hmm. whether you're a failure or a success is just the, the mindset you take. But that narrative we feed ourselves is so important, isn't it? Because it determines every choice that comes from it. It's so true. I mean, I had one client, I was working with her through her perception that she was a failure. And I I looked at her bio and I said, can I just like read this to you for a second? Like your official bio. And I'm like, you accomplished this and this and this and this and this and this and this. And I'm like, does that sound to you like a failure? And she's like, no, but the rest of the world perceives me as like this great success. But like, meanwhile, I can't believe it. I'm like, because both of you are looking at the, the, not the entire graph. The people on the other end aren't seeing the failures because you're not sharing them. You're, you're, you're scared to share about those failures. You're scared to share with authenticity and vulnerability to appear in any way not perfect. And so, of course, they're seeing you as this great success. And meanwhile, you're seeing your, only the failures. Instead of every time you had a failure, you got back up. So I said, it's not, it's not whether you're a success or a failure. What I see when you look at the through line of the graph of what has happened in your life, I see resilience. Mm. I, see, I see a through line and a story of resilience, and that is the consistency in your story. It's not, it's not whether you've been a success or you've been a failure. You've had success and you've had failures. But the through line of who you have been through, all of it has been resilient. Yeah, I like that thought. And I like, it's, it's for me, it defines, you know, I hate these training courses people go on where they're called how to deal with difficult people. And, I, you know, it really irritates me because people aren't difficult. They do difficult things and you find them difficult yourself, but that doesn't make them a difficult person. And I think we spend so much time coding people incorrectly um, that it gets in the way of actually just blending and building a great sort of relationship with them, doesn't it? I mean, it, it, What's the point of that, do you think? I mean, I know it's a shortcut, but it's, we've been trained to sort of judge people too quickly, don't we? And to put people in, in boxes and to label them. Um, I mean, you can take the, current, the US political atmosphere for the past three weeks. is like, mm. there's the good side, there's the bad side. You ask, depending upon who you ask, they're going to have a different opinion of whose side that is. But it's, it's a label, uh, the good and the bad, it's a label of morality. And it's, it's, it's a hard, hard line when you're drawing these absolutes of good and bad, right and wrong, when you're dealing with humans. Humans yeah. have had failures. Humans, I mean, I know I've done things that would be considered wrong. And I know that I've done con- things that would be considered good. But ultimately it comes down to what is like when we're putting people in these like binary boxes, it prevents us from really being able to embrace the fullness and the oneness and to relate to it. And I see this with every, everything from, from food. I was giving a a presentation at, at a university on body language and the language that we associate with our food. And I asked the classroom and it was a, it was a class for specifically health and wellness students um, and very uh, a freshman class. And it was, I, I asked everyone, I said, are Cheetos good? And there were like half the class raised their hand. And I said, are Cheetos, 
are che- who thinks Cheetos are bad? And like the other half of the class raised their, ha- like, ha- raised their hands and some like didn't even put their hands up for either. And I said, who's right? And I said, are Cheetos good in the form of that they're good for you? And their professor piped up and was like, if anyone answers that, see me after class. Um, and then I said, but are Cheetos good for you? And then they're like, no, but Cheetos taste good. I said, but you're still labeling a food with a morality. Food has no morality. And people, we make moral decisions, but does that, does, does that decision define us morally in all-encompassing who we are forever for this, this one moment, this one decision? Does that, is that our defining moment? Or is that just a poor choice? So, because if we, so now we come to it, don't we? Sorry, sorry to leap in there. But, um, and, 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 and the biggest narrative, the biggest piece of, personal condition we can make is to give ourselves choice. And I know you went through a period of time, self-sabotage, all that sort of stuff and failure and blah, 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 blah. Everyone's been through that story um, a thousand times. But the, the, your difference was this idea of choice, really focusing on choice. Now, I love that idea because, you know, I believe everything, everything, but everything is in your control and it's your choice. So, so talk to me a little bit about your ideas in this area, because I think there's one thing we particularly agree on and one thing we particularly disagree on. So it'd be good to unpack that. So, Ooh, what do we disagree on? Steady. Wait for it. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about your thinking around choices. My thinking around choices is very much that you are at one. It's, we learn this in like fourth grade. So a cause causes a certain effect. So when we have that cause and effect scenario, a cause causes a certain effect, then you can either be at cause for your life, meaning you're you're choosing the choices that you're making or you're choosing your attitude and your reaction to how you respond to the choices that you're given. Because sometimes, let's be honest, we don't like always the choices that we're given. Like we don't like... uh, we would prefer to have a, di- a different choice. Like I'm sure one of my favorite books on the planet is Victor Frankl's Man's Search mm-hmm. for Meaning. Yeah. And I'm sure that people did not want the choice to go to a concentration camp. Like that's a really sucky choice. However, that, that choice that the, they can choose their attitude in that space. And that's, that's the beauty of that book is that he really studied how people could choose the one thing that you can never, that no other, no government, no entity, nobody can take away from you is your choice of how you respond to a situation of your choice of your attitude and the attitude that you bring to that situation. And so you can either be, at the cause side of the equation or at the effect side of the equation. And it's very popular to be at the effect side of the equation. It's very popular to say, oh, that wasn't my choice. This isn't fair. This isn't right. Why me? Blah, blah, blah. And I see this a lot when people attach, like uh, to give you an example, a bank account balance. They see their bank balance and that depends, that determines their day. Is it a high bank balance or is it a lower bank balance where there's some expenses that come in? And especially for entrepreneurs who are reconstructing their identity with failure, if it's a low bank balance and suddenly it hits with that identity of their perception of failure. Excuse me, I have to blow my nose for a second. Okay, whilst whilst you blow your nose then, that that makes sense. But is there a a risk though? Um, 
using a, a metric like that, you've got two, two things. One which is, is it's a tangible metric and one which is, is it's an external metric. Uh, and, we, and we get into this idea of value being, personal value being linked to some sort of something tangible like money or cars or status and all that sort of stuff. I don't describe it as a, you know, a theoretical bank balance, but even that language is a challenge, isn't it? How specifically? Because actually we need to get away from this idea that we have to have external validation at all linked to anything that's external because actually what yes. matters is our own perception. I mean, I have the benefit over you of, of um, a few years uh, on you, as it were, and you get to a certain stage in your life and you just stop caring what other people think. You get mm -hmm. to that point where you just think, why, you know, in, in all those years I had before me, why do why was i bothered and you suddenly realize that that's at the root of most people's problems this idea of people pleasing um external validation uh, external metric validation and and of course we have to perform and do jobs and all that sort of stuff and exist in the world with standards of behavior blah 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 and there are choices of course but this idea of having to live our lives around the behests of other people is a challenge. It's, 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 it's meaningless, it's pointless. And we create children's with some, with children which are emotional vampires and we bring them up to have that sort of need because we had it ourselves. And you get to a certain point in your life and you go, my man, what did I do? That was all so, so bizarre. So let's, we need to stop this. We need to free people to allow them to make the choices that they get, just allow them to be themselves. And don't get me going on authenticity because we will have a fight. But this idea of making choices that allow us to be just ourselves is, is the critical bit. And bank accounts, cars, writing books, who cares about all that stuff? What matters is how we yeah. are in our own skin really, doesn't it? Well, and that's, so that's you, true for you. Fin that was a long chat because I was giving you plenty of time to blow your nose, wipe your sleeve. <laughs> Wipe down the front of the computer screen again, because I saw Computer is clean. We're all good to go. <laughs> We're all good to go. Yeah, my son started uh, pre-kinder here in Australia, and so I'm like, I've had so many parents be like, oh, this is the time. Yeah, okay. I've had a sinus infection since he was born, so when... Um, so when COVID hit, I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but if you're from Los Angeles. I don't people think I have COVID, but it's, I just, it's just a sinus infection. If you're so, from Los Angeles, yeah. you won't be used to breathing clean air. So, I mean, you know, anyway. Yeah, I know. Now I'm actually breathing clean. Exactly. I know. It's like, where's the pollution? I know. When they complain about traffic here, I'm like, ha, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you have not seen traffic. Mm. So... So where were we I then? Because I'm not editing this out because I've enjoyed all this. So uh, making choices. Yes, that's cool. Go I back, completely go back, go agree. Back. Yeah. I completely agree on. It's really a question of identity, of attaching your identity to these external things, like right. the bank balance, like like the number on a scale. But if and if you look at the number on a scale or your bank balance, those are actually effects. Those are actually the effect of choices that you have made. So if you step on the scale and it's a couple pounds heavier and you're like, oh, let me look, assess, but let me assess the choices that I've made in the past couple of weeks to see like, why is that? And you might find that you may have not been working out as much or you might find that you may have been, you know, indulging in a little bit of an extra glass of wine at night or some extra cake or dessert because you deserve it because it's a lockdown or whatever. Um, and that, that, 
that those are all choices that led up to this effect of the scale going up. Now, what happens is, and what I've seen consistently is people attach that, and I did this for years, I did this for 10 years, is I attached my identity to that number on the scale, whether I was a success or a failure, it depended upon that number on the scale, versus instead looking at that number, that effect, as a result of certain causes that I chose. And just by making a choice, that is empowering in and of itself that you can change. Like I had one client and we were working on self-care and it just had been a constant theme that she did not want to deal with. And I asked her straight out and I said, look, do you like answer me honestly, do you actually want to put your health as a priority at this time in your life? And she's like, Kim, you know what? I know I should say yes. And it feels really sucky that I, I don't, she goes, I, I don't feel like I want to put health. I want to put my business first. And I said, that's okay. But let's not delude ourselves into thinking that you're making a choice and then punishing yourself with all the shame of the shoulds that you're not making that choice, that it's not really something that's been decided. Decide that you're not going to talk about you know, how you should improve your health until, you know, until you're, you actually are decided that you're going to improve your health. Like just in making the choice to not to do something that in, in itself is a more empowering choice than in this vacillation of what society or parents or conditioning has said that we should do when really that's not something that is feeling at our heart and soul aligned at that moment. Yeah, I like that. And I think, um, um, and classically, I remember someone telling me about this idea that you should have a to-don't list instead of a to-do list every day. And and you're right, that's that idea of cleansing yourself by getting rid of things which you, you know, to create capacity for the things you want to do by getting rid of the things you don't want to do. Uh, burble, burble. Um, so um, I know you're a coach and you do all sorts of coachy loveliness, as, as do I, as do many of us. But what sort of people tend to approach you? What sort of, um, where do you really particularly focus, focus your time and attention? Okay, first of all, Russell, I think that that was my favorite description of coaching, coachy loveliness. <laughs> that brought was, so much it, joy to my it heart. Was, it, was, it was anti-sucky. So, I mean, I mean, I'm just enjoying how many uses of the word sucky we've got on going on here. So it's very funny because it has a totally different connotation in the UK, you see. Anyway, do carry oh, yes. on. Coaching, coaching yep. loveliness. Tell us more about that. So, <clears throat> coaching loveliness. I mostly work with visionary leaders, the leaders who have too much, uh, too many ideas and too little time to integrate or implement them. They tend to struggle with prioritizing their creativity first because they are so stuck and wrapped in um, the doings of, of life. And so we work on really getting their vision clear and clarifying that vision so that they can be more aligned to get their productivity uh, in order and then also build their team so that they can build out the support that they need and the structure to fly the plane to get them to where they want to go. And, and so people come from the corporate world, big, small, and what, what, you know, one man. Dance, um, it's one it's all, I, I work with, a, yeah, I work with a lot of businesses and their business owners in their formative stages. So anyone making between um, 50K a year to about 3 million. And that formative and first so, year is that? The formative first years, yes. Yeah. Well, it depends that's on what business million. you're in. If you're, yeah, that's true. <laughs> 
Yeah, if you're acquiring, it's, it's very different. And so what process did your coaching take if someone comes to you? What, what, what might a session be like? It can't just be about, because uh, I know you describe yourself as woman, uh, Wonder Woman and uh, people, uh, some sort of princessy type thing and full of sparkle. I mean, do you, do you, do you, are you the sort of person, that, so, the sort of coach, and a lot of people are like this, who like to coach people like themselves. So do you naturally get on with people who are more sparkly, as it were, that way? Well, surprisingly, um, I do, it's, it's funny, I, had, I just brought on a new client and she said, I had a concern that you might be too sparkly for me. Uh-huh. But then she said, after our first session, she's like, you shoot straight, you tell it like it is, you give me action points that are, it's not just like fluff and woo-woo, sparkle, like let's think positive BS and life will be better. No, she she's like, you give me actual tangible steps that are practical, rooted in science that I can use to move forward. And, and, and I think this, is, I think this yeah. is important, isn't it? Because a lot of people look at coaches as some sort of, you know, positive mental attitude, happy, clappy jazz hands. And I know I've done quite a lot of jazz hands tonight, but actually. And I'm a big fan of jazz hands. Yeah, and there's no harm in it. But just because we lighten the mood doesn't mean we're not deadly serious in the way we coach. We're not de- and we, you have, coaches have to tell people the stuff that people don't want to hear, even because they need to hear it. And, and actually, you know, you can be miserable and gloomy about it, or you can actually bring a spice of humor and, you know, switch right a leave to it as well. I'm guessing you're more the latter. Um, but the point is the message still has to be there. You still, as a coach, have to get through that stuff, haven't you? And, and I'm looking at the quote on your site that says, um, I can be a great, I can be Wonder Woman too. And I'm still working out how, how you're going to help me do that. But there's something, <laughs> I can't find it. <laughs> about being a great dude. But joking aside, you know, how, how do you set up um, a coaching engagement so someone can come to you and you said people with lots of ideas. Um, are you looking for people who are solutions orientated, who are saying, I want to grab this opportunity? Uh, or are you looking for those people who are more in the, in the, in the grip of a problem and they're really sort of struggling? Where's your, where's your natural sort of authentic place? They are normally in the grip of a transition and they're not quite sure with how to navigate the waters of the new ocean that they've decided to swim in. And in that space, I am looking for someone who is solution focused, who is growth minded, um, who is coachable because it really is hard to coach someone who is not coachable and who is really clinging for dear life to this life raft of an identity that they've had for years, maybe that they're a failure or that they are a, you know, are a charlatan or a fraud or that they, um, so those types tend or or they actually don't want to put in the actual work that is required and i see that as well um so i'm very diligent and i can pretty much pick up from uh, an application so my process is uh, if a client comes to my website they go to my private uh, crownyourself.com forward slash private dash coaching they click on the button that says work with me and they would book a high performance acceleration consult on that consult, I give them a formula to increase their business 150% in the next 12 months, as well as five personalized strategies to increase their clarity, energy, productivity, courage, and influence skills in all of their life, not just in their business. 
And should they want to then continue, then they have that opportunity to continue. From that, from them booking that session, they get an application that, and an intake form that I then um, will give my recommendation on what program I think would be best for them based on their history, their goals, their desires, uh, past trauma. I do work with uh, a lot of people who have had trauma in their past. I do tend to attract as a coach many types of, even though most of my clients are, are older than me, many people who have had repressed uh, past trauma that they have either not yet fully healed or they still are processing on how to deal with and how to navigate these new waters of, of the business that they're building and how to do how to bring in how to find their own unique success strategy and how to find those those tweaks and those personal tweaks from that are that need to be made from their conditioned responses from being growing up in, in some sort of fight or flight, constant fight or flight space versus um, being in a, a space of vision, creativity, because you can't, you can't operate with both. It's, it's like, especially with people who have had trauma in their past, like I have, yeah. um, that, that fight or flight response is a default and it's a lot shorter circuited for people who have had childhood trauma. So what I see a lot is business owners who end up manifesting chaos in their business. Maybe they have a lack of systems. Maybe they have so much software, but that doesn't really integrate well. Um, maybe they have a lack of trust in their team because they grew up learning to distrust their, their family team. Um, and we work through those, those, issues on how they could think about it differently, how they could work through it differently, how they can build, re rebuild that trust, not only within themselves, but within, with others as well. Great. So that's, that's fantastic. That's a very sensible sort of approach. That makes a lot of sense to me. And as you said, your website is crownyourself.com and, and that's groovy. And, I, and, I, and whilst I'm uh, wending my way through your podcast, sorry, through your website, just because you've got a podcast. So tell us um, how to find that, if you would. It's called The Princess and the Bee. Um, I do have a running theme of princesses and queens, and it's only because I wanted to be a princess and a queen when I was little. Um, Meghan Merkel did go to the same high school as I did, and so, <laughs> but she just got to Prince Harry first. <laughs> um, it's okay. I happen to really love my husband, and he's the king to my castle, so I'm very happy right. with that choice. And I see, actually, um, you must have a great website because we have many guests in common, including I've just seen Mike Campbell, who's, uh, um, is he called Mike Campbell? Not Mike Campbell. Mike Cameron. Mike Cameron? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, obviously, we've, yeah. Got great, we've got great tastes in um, podcasts. We've got great tastes in guests, of yeah, course. Yeah, of course. Mike is awesome. Absolutely. So, so, so you're a coach, you've written books, you've done all sorts of groovy stuff, you can help people. Um, how else can we find you other than crownyourself.com? Where else might we see you lurking in the annals of oh, social media? I'm lurking on the Facebooks. You can jump into my Crown Yourself Facebook group that we ask a, a day, we have either a daily declaration or a daily question to really stimulate some new thoughts, some creative ideas, some new ways of thinking, some new possibilities, um, new ways of celebrating. It's a fabulous community. There's fantastic inspiration um, to just be able to really step up and, and own your life and choose into who it is that you want to be outside of the conditioning of who people have said you should be or who you were raised to think you should be. 
So really finding that your own authentic voice and being able to be bold with it and fearless and kick, kick fear off your throne and sit your pretty booty right down on it. Yes, of course, we haven't talked about crowning yourself, but um, what's the significance of crowning yourself? So I was a pageant girl and pageants uh, were actually one of the healing modalities for my eating disorder. And people think that that's very strange, but when I was in school, I was a very type A achiever. I always wanted to um, I always had big dreams. I never wanted to go to the parties with the boys. It bored me to just like go to things and like drink. That just wasn't my jam. I had so many ambitions and so many desires and so many goals. And so I got into pageants and pageants was where I really found my people. I found these women who were beautiful and talented and smart and funny and and they had a desire to really leave an impact and for, for the most part. And that was what I really found in, in pageants. And it was when I was walking in the Miss California pageant, I was 22 years old. I was at the very tail end of my eating disorder. I'd spent the past year and a half really radically transforming my identity around my body, my beliefs around what was possible for me, my beliefs around my, my own healing and, and past trauma. And I remember stepping onto this stage, and this is the story I tell in my new book that's coming out, Mindful Meals. Um, and I stepped onto the stage and in a crowd of like 5,000 people. And yeah, I was there for the Miss California crown, but I, I stepped on that stage and no longer did it matter what these seven faceless judges in front of me thought of me. I was so proud of myself. I, was, I felt so loved, not by the 5,000 people, but by the fact that I had the courage to, to stand up and stand out and do that and to, work, and to like walk in, in a bikini in front of thousands of people and actually feel really good about my body for the first time in my life, mm. that it didn't matter whether I was given a crown by somebody else. I knew I crowned myself. Yeah. And it was when I was on my honeymoon that I'd just been bought out of my e-commerce company three weeks before I got married. And so I was on my honeymoon wondering, like, what the F am I going to do when I get back? And my husband and I were drinking way too many espressos that morning. And I was combining all these passions. I'd been, I'd been a Pilates instructor for 10 years. I'd had my own studio. I loved business. I loved, I loved uh, being a partner in my e-commerce company. Um, I loved relationships. I, I loved helping people figure out relationships. I'd done some body image and wellness coaching. And I loved, I loved the body. And I loved this holistic picture. And I suddenly like leaped off the couch and I said, crown yourself. And my husband's like, what's that? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> but I said, that's the name of my business. That's the name of my company. And that's what I'm doing. And now looking back, crown yourself is so appropriate because when I was a little girl, that was, I never was interested. I always loved princess stories. My mom actually had to go to the library to search out old English literature and books because I couldn't, I didn't like the princess stories where they just had to be kissed by some dude and then wake up. And I was like, that's not empowering at all. I wanted some transformation. I wanted them to go through a struggle and some challenge and some, some growth and then to rise into that place where they're, they're queen. And 
I would create these backyard productions of in, involving the community, involving my neighborhood, uh, the fellow neighborhood kids. And we'd put on these productions and I'd sell things at the door and sell the tickets because it was, I was a very smart market because I already had the audience built in. If I'm bringing in people's kids, like the parents are obviously going to buy a ticket. And so we, so I would put on these productions of transform, transformative stories of princesses who would rise into their reign, who would go through a challenge, who would face something, and then who would transform their stories about who they had been, because you have to have been wrong about who you have been in order to become who you are, who, who you are destined to be. Do you have to be? And in Do order you have to be wrong? You, you, in many ways. In many ways. Why do you have to be wrong? So what's worked for you up to this point? What's gotten you, as Mar Marshall Goldsmith says, what's gotten you here won't get you there. So the things about the stories that we've told ourselves about our, uh, who we are, what works for us, they may be right. They may need to be tweaked. So they're not entirely right. They may need to be tweaked. They may need to be edited. They may need to be completely tossed out and shut in in a past volume of who we have been and so we're constantly rewriting that that narrative of what's possible for us and so in in the editing process of constantly rewriting the pro the what's possible for us that means in some area we've been quote-unquote wrong about who we have been. sadly yeah we're gonna to have to come to a halt and and, and i'm cutting oh, you off and it's very rude of me to do this because I'm cutting you off at a point where I really want to have a, a good discussion with you about this. But maybe, maybe we can get together another time and record a, the other half of this podcast. How does that sound to you? And perhaps talk a bit more about that book of yours. And I mean, I have a big interest in pageants. It would be rude of us not to talk more about that. Maybe you think that's inappropriate and maybe you just think I should you get really have an interest in pageants? <laughs> Totally unhealthy, I might understand. Um, no, there's a, there's, a, there's a brilliant program on Netflix about pageants. They're really quite peculiar as a, as a study of human psychology. Kimberly, I've, I've taken too much of your time. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you want to find out more about Kimberly, as you said, Facebook, crownyourself.com. There's tons. It's a really fascinating site. You really need to get onto it. And she has a, um, an introductory session and all sorts of bits and bobs on there you can have a look at and sign up for and do groovy stuff with. You've been a joy to talk to and a joy to be with this evening. Thank you so much, Kimberly. Thank you so much, Russell. You take care. Hi, everybody. I hope you found that episode useful and interesting. Feedback is always welcomed. And if you're in the mood to subscribe to us or even leave a comment on iTunes or Stitcher, that would be amazing. If you want to suggest ideas or even people you would like me to interview, then reach out to us at qedod.com forward slash contact. As I said earlier, you can go to qedod.com forward slash podcast for show notes or follow the links. And you can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and ebooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Unraveled. I look forward to being in your ear next time around. Take care.